Ditch the fairy tale, princess. It's time to step outside the status quo and blaze your own trail. The path littered with setbacks, successes, and newfound passions. Why? Because when you break away from the script, you start to pursue a life by choice. One that is all yours. Live unscripted and rewrite your life. Hey girl, I wanted to introduce you to our latest brand partners here at Unscripted, JFF, Journey to Financial Freedom. If you've ever felt like your finances are the thing that is holding you back from truly reaching your potential, then let me introduce you to these guys. They help online coaches, consultants, and the likes of us organize and streamline your entire financial world. By doing so, they give you the clarity and empowerment you crave to confidently scale your empire. Not only do they help you shoot for that dream life, but they've got this unique blend of tactical and emotional financial strategies. They dive deep, addressing money at an emotional level because they know it's those underlying beliefs and behaviors that can keep us stuck. They're passionate about transforming your relationship with money by aligning your deep-seated beliefs with those big, dreamy goals. So with JFF, you're not just achieving financial mastery, you're reshaping your entire mindset for success and empowerment. They have a vision beyond the numbers. They believe that with a solid grip on your finances, you can turn your business into a force of good, making a lasting mark on the causes close to your heart. Imagine not only achieving your financial goals, but also creating waves of positive change in your community and beyond. So how are you vibing with your finances lately? Let's level it up together and make an impact. Jump in with JFF and bring those dreams to life. If you want to hear a little bit more, tune into episode 234 with the girl, the hype girl, Steph who we dropped in and shared a little bit about my backstory and my finance trauma and all the things in between and why I am jumping in and becoming a part of the JFF family. And you can too. Now let's jump into today's episode. So grateful you're here for another episode of Unscripted. These interviews bring me so much joy because I know that these conversations are going to be impactful for you. This title means something to me because it really was something that I went through. How to pivot after a setback. So if you've ever felt like you had some sort of failure or you were in a setback or you're now in the middle of one, meaning things are not going the way you planned, Amy is the person to help guide you out of that, shift your perspective and help you take ownership and action around making changes and turning your setbacks into your successes, right? Because these creative pivots, as she so coined, really are the cornerstone to how so many People that I know have created new businesses, have gotten the resilience and the resourcefulness to actually make changes that are going to create impact. Amy Schoenthal and I met at Rebecca Cafiero's in-person event a couple of weekends ago called The Weekend at the Pitch Club. And Amy Schoenthal is a renowned journalist, author, and marketing consultant. As a contributor to Forbes Women and Harvard Business Review, she shines a spotlight on those who have been historically underestimated, yet are doing the work to solve society's biggest problems. Her work has included interviews with a wide range of leaders and so many amazing people, like I can't even name all of them. She boasts a two-decade marketing career working with some of the world's largest brands from Procter & Gamble to Google. She now works with founders, corporations, nonprofits, and small businesses to shape their brand narratives and captivate audiences through strategic storytelling. We dove into so many cool topics around the four phases and how they work in relation to the book that's coming out that she wrote, The Setback Cycle which launches, I believe, March 24th. So I will put that in the show notes. I think you can pre-order. I'm not sure. But either way, put it in in, in your notes to hopefully get because we have all gone through setbacks. We have all had moments where we're like, what the actual fuck? What is happening? We talk about the four phases, which are one, establish, two, embrace, three, explore, and four, emerge. 
I know you're going to love this episode because there's so many tangible moments that we shared around other people's pivots, what we've done, and just ways that you can really tap in and find your superpower so that maybe in these moments of creative pivoting, if you will, you will see how much value you really have and what other things you could be doing that might light you the fuck up, take your setback slash, you know, maybe failure if you want to call it and turn it in to your future success. I am so stoked you're here. If I haven't told you enough, I love and appreciate you so much. It means the world that you are here tuning in each week. I hope you're loving these episodes with the guests. And if you have anybody you'd like to recommend for the show, please let me know. I love getting your feedback. It means the absolute world to me. You can do that through a review on Apple, just writing something thoughtful, heartfelt that means something to you, whatever you've gotten from the show, whatever impact I've created in your life. It literally is my love language. So without further ado, let's dive into today's episode with Amy Schoenthal. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited for today's guest because we got to meet just a few weekends ago in San Diego at Rebecca Cafiero's event, the Pitch Club, the weekend of the Pitch Club. And Amy was one of the speakers. And there was several amazing women that spoke. But Amy stood out to me because it's pertinent to a lot of the stuff I'm currently doing. She speaks to a lot of topics that I know are going to be really relevant in in your life right now. So Amy, I can't wait to dive into today's topics, but I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I know. Right away, I went up to her and I'm like, can I please get you booked on the podcast? And right away, she's like, done. I'm like, yes, action takers. Let's go. Go us. Right? And I want to kick off the show with that because I'm going to leave you a juicy intro and get into all the details after we do this because I love to record those afterwards. So everyone will already know who the heck you are. But as we dive into this, the events are one of the things that I see people really wanting to be a part of, but struggling to get into the rooms, whether it's the barrier of cost or it's not in their town, or maybe they feel like they don't know what to expect so they don't go or they don't feel like they have value. There's so many pieces of resistance that come up when people don't allow themselves to get into the rooms. Can we touch on that first? Because obviously that's how we met. So any perspective or insight you have around that, like let's just dive into that. I met Rebecca at a conference we were walking through a hallway like we weren't even at a party together or anything like that we were walking through a hallway she was walking with a friend of hers who i had worked with about 15 years ago and all of a sudden me and this woman saw each other said oh my god so good to see we caught up we were all on our way to whatever the next thing was we're all going to different like round tables and and the little micro events that were happening at this conference so i met rebecca for about 15 seconds We spoke, we like realized that we matched energies and she said, what are you like, what are you doing here? I said, I have a book coming out next year. So I'm hosting this book panel on how to get published. And she said, oh my God, that's great. I have a, I have a podcast. Do you want to be on it? And she said, I talked to a lot of authors. All of a sudden we exchange info. We set up a a little virtual meeting because we do not live in the same city if I tell you that 15 second interaction led to such a friendship to so many opportunities to her then inviting me to keynote her conference a few like six months later and I can't tell you the connections I made at that conference after I got off the stage and so many people told me how you know the words I said really resonated with them and like just one 15 second interaction can unlock so many opportunities and you never know unless you're in the room and you don't have to get on a stage. You can just literally buy a ticket, go to the thing. You never know who you will meet. 
So true. I love hearing stories like that because I don't really think people believe that. They might be like, oh, that that that's the one-off or must be nice. That happens to people, but not me. And I have another probably five or six stories that are very similar, whether it was 15 seconds or 10 minutes, like walking out of an event, bumping into somebody in the restroom. And I recently listened to one of my girlfriends. She hosts a lot of uh, women's events. She really encourages women to go to these things alone because it forces you to say hi to the person sitting to your right or to your left and to not stay in your little bubble. Because I don't care what age you are, you're going to chit chat with whoever you brought or you're going to catch up with that friend or you're going to feel like friend if maybe you're a little bit more seasoned in the going to event space. But I love that because honestly, yeah, can you share a couple of the other like opportunities that have come maybe from meeting other people or what does it actually look like now even from Rebecca's like residual meetings like who have you met what has gone on from that obviously you and I are here having this podcast right now so I'm a I'm a story of that Mm -hmm. yeah earlier today I met I did another podcast a woman named Nicole Lano she does human design I don't know if you met her and I'm, I'm talking to another couple folks I know people like me client connections there as they're trying to increase their marketing uh, businesses and they met uh, some client folks. And I also just want to say one of the chapters in the book is about connecting. I spoke to a woman named Susan McPherson, who is known as like the serial connector. She wrote a book called The Lost Art of Connecting, and she equates connections to constellations or communities to constellations. And so she says that like once you make that first link to another star, you start to notice how your constellations are more intertwined than you may realize. And it just takes that first little link to another star to get into that next overlapping community into the next one into the next one. But you do you have to make that first link. And again, you do not have to buy a plane ticket and fly to a conference and start conversations with people if you're not comfortable doing that. But you can make connecting a habit, you know, start with someone who you're you're comfortable with, you know, someone maybe you haven't talked to in a while and just make connecting a habit. At night, you put your kid to bed, you sit on the couch, you're going to start scrolling. Before you start scrolling, send a text message, reach out to someone you haven't spoken to in a while. And it doesn't have to have any sort of agenda with it. You can just say like, hey, I saw this funny meme I thought of you. Hey, I've been thinking of you. We haven't chatted in a while. How are you? It's like these very low lift tiny things that you can do to foster those connections. And once you make it a habit, maybe you'll start reaching out to people that you're not as comfortable with. And maybe you work up to buying that plane ticket, going to the conference, making the connection in the hallway. So it can be very low lift, but you'll realize that things are much more overlapping and interconnected than you may realize. I love that. Thank you for breaking that down into more of a you know, palatable experience for people, because I do think once you get used to flexing that muscle of getting in the room, buying the ticket, showing up and actually participating, you forget what it felt like to not feel comfortable doing that and to have it not be a part of maybe your marketing strategy in your life or in your business. And I think it's applicable to both life and business. The first example you gave was just reaching out to an old friend to say hello with no real, you know, whatever in that. And I've recently done that with a girl I've admired kind of across the Instagram pond and finally reached out and we've developed a small friendship where now I see her doing things. I'm like, Hey, when can I join you for that? Yeah. I would have never as a projector. I'm like, Oh no, I wait for the invitation. Even if you've invited me 10 times, I still need the invitation. Now I'm like, Hey, when can I come play with you? And it's just opened up such a beautiful relationship. And 
we don't have anything to sell to one another. And it's like this collaborative friendship where I do think some cool business stuff is going to come out of it. But it's because I got used to flexing that muscle of just reaching out, either saying like, hey, I see you or hey, good job or, you know, genuinely caring about what other people are up to, even if there's like that little healthy bit of jealousy where I'm like, God, I wish I wish I was doing that or I wish I was putting myself out in that way. So talk to us about how you got into the career that you're into. Was this always something you were passionate about, like right out of high school, college, or were you just kind of, yeah, okay. I love that. (laughs) You're like, and yes, and yes. But, you know, there were some twists and turns and coming back around to it. So I've always been a writer. I've always been a storyteller. I majored in journalism. I got, you know, formally trained in this field. I was interviewing entrepreneurs in their dorm rooms at college. And this is so like, this is not new. But you, you know, when you graduate with a journalism degree in 2005, there aren't many jobs that will pay you a salary that will let you live in New York City. And that's what I wanted to do. So I took a career in marketing. I built a career in marketing and I did that for 20 years. I worked in marketing full time and I always freelanced on the side. I was always doing freelance writing from like, I had this travel blog, (laughs) the early 2000s, like when the blogosphere started kind of coming up and then I wrote for like the Huffington Post and a couple like random real estate publications. But I was always doing freelance writing because it was always my passion at some point. Well, I know what point it was. It was when I was sidelined after returning from maternity leave to my marketing firm. My responsibilities were taken away from me. My role was minimized. It's a story of many women. This is not unique to me. But at that moment, my writing career took front and center. So I maintained full-time employment for many years. I kept writing, but I was doing more writing and more writing. And the more I did, the more visibility I got, the more opportunities I got, the more high-profile people wanted me to write about them. And, you know, again, like the more rooms I was invited into. And so work begets work. (laughs) Visibility begets visibility. And it started really, you know, taking off. And then because of that, People asked, oh, you know, you do marketing, but you also do writing. Would you be able to help me with my executive thought leadership? I want to post more on LinkedIn. I want to byline more op-eds. Could you help me with that? And that was something I was willing to do. And so I started a whole freelance marketing career on the side. So eventually, 48 hours after submitting my book on setbacks, I was laid off from my full-time job. And it was fine because I had an entire career outside of the full-time job. So I just gracefully trans- transitioned from, from one to the other. And I still do marketing. I do fractional CMO work. I do executive thought leader leadership. I do personal and brand strategy, brand narratives, things like that. And so I'm still balancing the marketing with the writing because one pays my mortgage and the other does not. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I do think writing, obviously, is the key piece in marketing. Obviously, the storytelling yeah. piece of marketing yourself, marketing your business, and just getting your message out there. So tell us what the book is about and where the book came from, because you obviously have 20 plus years of knowledge in the marketing and in journalism and all of the things you experience as a woman in corporate. Does the book kind of, was it birthed out of like, there's so much I need to share with people, so many things, so many nuggets, like I have a framework that I know can help people break it down for us, because I know there's a, a few things in there that we wanted to get, you know, a hold of like the four phases and how they work. I can't wait to like share that with everybody. Yeah. Well, I did not have a framework when I started writing the book, but I wanted to explore what a framework could look like because through all my writing, through all the interviewing, through all the stories that people were telling me, 
because don't forget, I'm doing all these interviews and I'm doing all this freelance writing where I'm profiling founders and leaders and people who have done incredible things. But I'm also working in marketing and I'm just studying the habits of leaders and I'm learning about what I like and I don't like and who can lead well and who can't. And so and it all kind of goes together. And I noticed that in almost every interview I did, the real the real sort of um, success was always born after someone had worked through a setback. The brilliant idea, the creative innovation, the, you know, million dollar idea always came from a setback. So it was like more than just like a gap in the marketplace or, um, you know, a little business school project of like, oh, this is something that this industry needs. Like, no, it's usually personal. And it's usually a story that came from something from a negative experience, frankly, whether it was a mistake that someone made or, you know, a terrible situation that they were in. And they, it's what they did after. That was always the part of their story that just like lit them up. Bad thing happened. I had to deal with it. But then check out what happened after. And I was like, why is this happening? And why is no one writing about it in, in a big way? And so I started doing lots of research and reading all the business psychology books, studying all the concepts from like post-traumatic growth, to just like learning from our mistakes and rethinking how we do things and like emotional agility. And these are all within the framework, but no one had really focused on setbacks in particular. You know, a setback is not necessarily a mistake. It is not necessarily a trauma. There are micro setbacks and there are earth shattering ones. And so this book, I think, is the first of its kind that really explores setbacks as a concept on its own. Yeah. And defining them in a different way than maybe someone's looked at it before. Much like how we refer to failures as being lessons, but people still don't like that word. So I prefer a setback because that definitely feels a little less invasive. But as you share, a lot of times you got to you build that resilience and that resourcefulness and that grit to take the initiative to make some changes to actually solve problems as they become yours, right? Because maybe that problem wasn't really yours before until it happened to you. And then once it happened to you, now you can do something about it. I think it's really hard to teach from a place if you've never experienced something, right? Like had you never become a mother, you maybe couldn't have stood in those shoes to advocate for women who that was happening to long before you ever experienced it, right? I feel that conversation comes up a lot with my coaching clients mm -hmm. where, you know, we are working through past traumas and we're going through the motions of as they come up or they're triggered or, you know, and I, I, I always just lovingly remind them that they wouldn't be able to teach to this or they wouldn't have created whatever it is they've created, whether it's a program or a course or a book or, you know, a podcast sharing their experience if it hadn't happened to them. So, I mean, so many people have pivoted their entire life after a setback. Yeah. But you could probably name a handful. I mean, you had some of the most amazing people sit with you, whether it's virtual or in person, and share their stories. So I can yeah. I I mean, I can only imagine what is in this book from getting to pull all these little nuggets and pieces. I can't believe it's not like a series of seven. You're probably gonna write more, I would imagine. I hope so. I hope yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting because I as I started exploring this theory and pulling the framework together it really came up in a lot of ways that like, we don't want to glorify pain. We don't want to be like, go seek out setbacks, go find them, go fail. You know, like the Silicon Valley cliche of like, go fail big and make mistakes. Like, no, we don't have the privilege. We don't all have the privilege to do that. 
And I don't want to encourage people to seek out negative experiences, but like the reality is setbacks will inevitably happen. And a setback is not always a failure and it's not always a mistake. It's its own thing. And you can have them in the smallest ways and the biggest ways. But what matters is what you do when you realize you are in a setback. And so at phase one of the cycle is establish because you don't always know when you are in a setback. You need to establish that you're in one in order to start working through the cycle. And I think these are the things we spoke about at the event. So yeah, let's go through the other three so we can kind of give everyone like an insight of where am I in this, in the phases? Am I I in any of these? If not, I'm not great. If you're not, then in life, I'm sure you can reference back to a time possibly you were in one and you didn't realize it until it was too late. Because like you said, we don't all have to go through big T or little T trauma. A lot of times when we're growing up, we don't realize certain things affected us and are now part of our story. Those can be, I think, referenced as setbacks as well that we experienced maybe that had nothing to do with us, but they were still a part of our life, therefore a part of our story, therefore a part of like how we've shown up. And I've noticed that to be true along with, you know, the conversations with my clients, you know, during and after breathwork sessions, even where they're holding on to a lot of shit that's not even theirs. And so those those if we want to call them, quote unquote, setbacks or moments in time where you felt like you were set back or you were held back, you know, Yes, one is established. What's two? So, yeah, well, to your point, I can, I'm can. i going to go list the four phases. And I'm going to explain them. But to your point, you might not realize you are going through the setback cycle until you're in like phase three or four sometimes. And sometimes like a lot of people I interviewed for the book, even like the experts, the executive coaches, as I was talking to them, they realized, oh, my God, this thing I experienced years ago, that was setback. I went through the cycle, you know. And so, yes. Phase one is establishing that you're in it. You don't always get to this phase. You don't always realize you're in one until you're, you know, part of the way through. Phase two is embrace. This is the worst phase because that's when you have to actually feel the feelings and process them and go through like the emotional acceptance, which is, you know, accepting where you are and dealing with the emotions and, you know, the whole saying of like the only way out is through. This is the through phase. This is the doing the work and understanding, like, why did this affect me so much? Like, where have I felt this before? My therapist, who I do interview in the book, she pointed out that being sidelined after maternity leave was not the first time in my life I was sidelined or I was overlooked or I felt like I had been pushed down a mountain or cast aside. It was so impactful to me because I had felt that in other places. And that's why it like drudged so much up and made me feel so self-conscious and, you know, questioning my own self-worth. So embrace really kind of, you have to like dig deep. And I mean, as a coach, you know this, but this is like the phase. Then you get to have some fun. <laughs> then you get to phase three, which is explore. This to me is like the best phase because it is the phase of possibility. It's when anything can happen, anything is you know, on the table and you're just trying stuff out. You're figuring out like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What, you know, what can I get curious about? Curiosity is huge in the setback cycle. It's where you identify your superpowers. Like, what am I good at? What am I motivated to do? And what problem do I want to solve? You know, and so you're testing stuff. You're turning to your community. This is where the constellation comes in in the explore phase. And so this is like the testing. And then you get to emerge. And that's when you come out of the setback cycle. Now, emerge, it's not like this glorious finish line, right? Again, it's cyclical. And the setback cycle is not a perfect circle. 
where you just emerge and you're done. It is like a squiggly S where like the phases are different shapes and sizes and, you know, some are bigger than others, some last longer than others. It's very, you know, it's very unique to the person experiencing it. So emerge can be almost like a little scary because you get the, you go through establisher in one, you embrace and you understand why it's impacting you. You explore, you create the plan, you decide what you're going to do to move forward. But then it's time to take that first step into the new thing. That's really scary. And also like you're really tired from working through the setback cycle because it takes a lot of work and a lot of energy and it could take years and it could take, you know, just it just takes a lot out of you. And so emerge is great, but you have to, it's a, it's still a phase. You're still in it. And there are things that you have to do in order to gloriously emerge from your setback. Yeah. And I mean, obviously those phases could each take individually their own amount of time based on the level of setback, I guess you are, you're having. And sometimes I feel like we have multiple setbacks at a time. Absolutely. Often they come in, not the thing of threes, right? But I feel like it's, if one thing kind of unravels the next thing, almost how you became aware that this wasn't the first time, therefore creating a ripple effect of like, okay, well now what are you going to do it? This is the third or fourth time something has happened. And now what are you going to do about it? I, I, I love that we can create just like some sort of awareness. People who don't really understand how to understand their feelings want to just top it with some surface level emotion, which a lot of times it's fear or anger. And generally anger is just an easier place to hang out at because we kind of can blame circumstances. We can blame, you know, life or, you know, this is happening to me. And once we dig a little bit deeper, we can see how we can play a role and take action on changing, going from anger to maybe it's fear that you're not going to be, you know, and, and then just unraveling all of it. So if someone is finally at that place of like establish and understanding they're there, then they're also now, okay, I'm feeling the feels, I'm embracing all of it. Yeah. Will this book be able to hold their hand enough through the phases in order to then help them emerge on the other side? Or are there some extra ways of support that you found personally that have gotten you through past setbacks, whether that's movement or, you know, I've fallen in love with breathwork over the last couple of years, like personally, like what is like extra added layers of support that you've given to yourself? There is a chapter on movement and how movement can help relieve the stress cycle. And there's there's a lot of science behind why movement helps complete the stress cycle. You know, like the fight or flight response. Movement is a great way to kind of combat that or, or get through it. Movement is big for me. Oh, my God. I need it. I need to take a walk. I need to, you know, get on my bike. And movement is huge. And I, I also really just think, like, community is huge. Like, the day I got laid off, I mean, I have never felt so loved as I felt on that day because my community rallied once I started telling people what had happened I was on the phone all day with different people and I can trace most of my clients and I have like a full roster of clients right now in this business that I'm running I can trace most of those clients back to those phone calls wow right Go, going back to mapping your constellation so this is all in the book but I think there's going to be parts of it that to people in different ways like if you're someone who really cares about movement you're going to really probably devour every word of that chapter and really read those stories I have two Peloton instructors in there that have like really compelling incredible stories in there if you're someone who is maybe struggling with loneliness and trying to find community or if you're someone who is struggling with self-doubt and needs to get like that hype person in their life like maybe you're gonna love the superpower chapter you know, I, I think there's a lot of tools in here 
and different people need different levels of these tools. Like you could follow it to a T and do all the things right. And, you know, situationally, you might have access to certain things and not others. I mean, the other good thing about this book is you don't have to read it in order. Like you can, I mean, like, you know, it might be, you might have to do a little recon and some homework, but I think like you could read about the explore phase if you just want to fast forward to the explore phase and you'd be okay. You know, that's the kind of, like, it's a framework, it's supported by experts and it tells different stories of different leaders in each chapter. So you can almost read it like in, in pieces and not, and not read the whole thing cover to cover because, you know, it's not like a novel where things are, are revealed, but. I think you can take this book and you can use it for what you personally need it for in your your unique experience. Right. And I feel like it'll be like a tool in your toolbox for where you experience different things at different levels and you'll need to be reminded of that support because oftentimes we learn things, right? It just goes in our back pocket because we didn't necessarily need it at that moment. Yeah. You know, exactly. you read it at different stages of your life. Yep. You're going to take away different things. Think about think of like a song you heard in high school. Think of a song you heard in high school. You haven't heard it since then, and you're going to listen to it 10 years later, 20 years later. You're going to hear different things in those lyrics. It's mm-hmm. the same book. It's going to snap to you in different ways during different seasons of your life. I love that. Okay, so you did. You Perfect segue. You mentioned the Peloton. I'm obsessed with Peloton. I have both oh. the bike and the treadmill. I have my favorites, and I'm just so curious. I know you're in New York, but I'm just so curious how you got involved with Peloton and then was were able to like lock down some of these people for interviews and just the relationship and what that looks like? That's a great question. I think it was actually through a friend who had taken like one of Jess Sin's classes before she was a Peloton instructor. Oh, cool. And that friend put me in touch with her and then she had to kind of like connect me to the Peloton people and that's how I got involved with their PR folks. And I did a big profile on Justin's many years ago, like 2021, I think. I don't, I don't know if I'm getting that year right, but it was a long time ago. I did this profile on her. She loved it. The team loved it. And they just kind of kept me like on their media list. And so they would reach out to me, you know, when they opened the studio up for the first time after the pandemic and they invited people back in. I was there. I was like the like front and center in that first Robin our zone class when they opened the studio and so I've just been and you know how these things happen like you're there in person you make friends with the PR folks you make friends with the instructors and relationships just develop and I've profiled Robin several times and she's in the book and I you know Kendall Tool's story is just so compelling and so relatable and gut-wrenching and amazing and she is just such a force and you know, I profiled her once and we kept in touch since then. And of course, I wanted her in this book. I wanted her story in this book. It's it's one of the, you know, we all have mental health struggles. Like she has a very sort of severe one and, and she shares it very candidly. And I think it's important that it's in here. So I love that. How cool. Again, there's your constellation. Your one friend put you in touch and look what, what's resulted from that. I, I can't stress that enough. I feel like if anybody listening is in those early phases of either pivoting careers or looking for new community, you know, it doesn't have to be such a big thing that you take on. Like we said, you don't have to get into the big rooms or fly somewhere, but who's that one person that maybe could connect you to the next conversation you want or need to have, or could introduce you into the next person that would open up some small opportunity just for conversation. I mean, it's the main reason I started the podcast because 
it is such a great platform to be able to invite people in that otherwise I wouldn't have an opportunity to get even five minutes of their time. You know, gone are the days where, I mean, you and I are across the country from each other. It's not like I could just call you up and say, hey, can I grab coffee and pick your brain? You know, so we could do this. We guess creating platforms where you can invite people in is such a special way to create that if you don't currently have it. But also, you know, the answer will always be no if you don't ask. If you don't get yourself to a situation where you can ask for that reach out or that referral or or something. I feel like so many people hold themselves back because they're scared of the no. And that I'm not I'm not encouraging people to find setbacks or failures, but I'm like, go get some no's. And then when you get the no's, ask more questions, follow back up or ask why it was a no. You know, I've had a few people on the sides, you know, mention that they like put themselves out there for podcasts or even for mine. They've asked to be on the show and, you know, either I didn't get back in a timely or I just it didn't happen. And I said, did you follow up? (laughs) Do you think you're the only message I got that? I I would love to think, you know, so just reminding people that the power you have the power to ask to put yourself out there to try to get those connections. And then what you do with them, you took it and you ran with it right now. You have these women in your book, you know them personally. I'm sure they've had a profound effect on your life personally. Like it, that that stuff is next level. So as a journalist, I'm going to circle back a little bit. Yeah. Because I know there's a lot of avid writers that listen to podcasts and who are also maybe consider themselves a journalist or want to write a book. How did you go from working in marketing? Obviously, you had the journalism background to writing for Forbes, getting your articles in print that w- wasn't your own blog, right? How did you like put yourself out there in that way? Was it submitting things? Was it reaching out? Was it a person who connected you? Because I know I would love to create opportunities or a way that people could understand how to put themselves out there in a bigger way. You're going to laugh at my answer. Yes, good. It sounds like it'll be more simple than complicated. It's simple. I was a, I just did it. I was just a writer for a long time and I had a personal blog, you know, and I submitted for stories whenever there was like any opening. I just seized those opportunities and I submitted. Do you know how many rejections I got? Let's hear it. That's the thing about rejection. Like you can't let it dissuade you. You have to expect it. You have to build it into your process. Do you know how much rejection you get when you try to write a book? Do you know how many agents and publishers and editors rejected me? I didn't stop. I, I, I just skipped that step. I just skipped that step and put it out myself. I was like, and no. I said, that will not be the story of my first book. I watched so many people share that. I'm like, second book, when I have a little thicker skin, I will shop it around and get all my nose. I can't wait. Yeah. No, I mean, I did. The, I, I had a I self-published a children's book a few years ago because that book was about my community. So I knew the audience was like fairly small and no publisher, no traditional publisher would would take that on. This one, I was like, I'm getting this traditionally published. Like I'm a writer. I deserve a book deal. And I wanted a book deal and I got a book deal. Like I, I, but I got rejected a whole lot before I got there, you know, and but but back to getting started in writing, you know, I definitely got rejected from publications or passed over or ghosted or whatever. It didn't stop me. You just keep going. And and you don't like you don't start with the New York Times, you know, (laughs) like you don't start with Forbes. You start with your personal blog. You start with a sub stack. You you build a community. You just you just write. If you want to be a writer, just write. You know how long it took me to call myself a writer? Way too long. Way too long. But I, like, but I've been a writer my whole life. It just, it really took a long time for me to identify as a writer. And I had been writing for Forbes probably for many years before I like really could say that. Because wow. to me, it wasn't, you know, my full-time job. So I couldn't say it. It was like a little hobby. Mm-hmm. But that little hobby opened up so many doors. So I think 
that's another thing, like put energy and effort towards things that don't necessarily yield instant income because you don't know down the line the investment that you're making. You know, even like going to that conference, like people always want to know, like, how many if you're if you're going for uh, business development purposes, how many leads did you get from that conference? I don't know. Like, can we talk in a few years? Like, And I can look back and tell you how many leads I got from that conference. Like, I can't, you know, those first couple calls I made that essentially, you know, got my business going after I got laid off, like those weren't, they weren't cold calls. They were relationships. They were people who was, who I had relationships with already because I'd built my network before I needed it. And then when I needed it, it was there. Yeah. Ooh, tell us more unsexy shit about running a business. I love this. This is either going to be the best episode I've done in a while or it's going to be the least listened to once people catch this. And I'm okay with either one. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I think keeping it real is a brand pillar of mine. And I love I love the fact that we're able to kind of share that story because it's like podcasting is the same way. Considering myself a podcaster and not calling it just a cute hobby took yeah. a minute. And, yeah. you know, 250 plus episodes later, I now feel very confident calling myself that and speaking to be able to help other people start their podcast. Do I know everything? No. Do you know everything about writing? No. Do you know a shit ton enough to help somebody else? Yeah. And you didn't get where you are by giving up or quitting. I'd love that you owned that piece of like, I couldn't even call myself a writer even when I was writing for fucking Forbes. Like, yeah, I know. You believe and it? That's the thing. Yeah, I can't believe it. And I'm grateful that you're so honest and, and truthful be- because you know, it it goes to show. I think there are times, and I'm I'm one of them, where you put so much effort into something, and we have this made up reality of what the result's going to be. And if it's not there, then what? Then we're going to quit so that we never get there, or we don't even give ourselves an opportunity to see how it can snowball later on if we don't quit or give up. Because not too long ago, there wasn't even podcasting, and there was only the things called a cute blog that you couldn't even market anywhere besides a website. It wasn't SEO optimized really at that time. There was nowhere else to market it for free, like social media. And to see where things have progressed now, you are one constellation star ask away from getting your stuff out there, getting recognized as the person you want to become, the writer, the author, the speaker, the podcaster. So yeah, I think this is just breaking down. When we see someone's success, we think overnight. When we all know damn well, that, like you said, it took you those first 15, 20 years in a different career, building a network to create the safety net, if you will, to then step out onto your own, reach out to those people. But it still took you asking. It still took you making those phone calls, owning what was going on, not pretending like you hadn't just gotten fired and then figuring out like, OK, how, what what can I do with this and where can I go? Who can I help? What are the problems I solve? Like you said, I, I you did a real that you posted I think it was today or yesterday and I was like yes let's talk about our superpowers so let's put a bow on this with that because I want to leave people feeling empowered not like okay girls it's going to take 92 years before I can say no trust us that's not what we're saying we're just saying step into the ownership of maybe calling yourself a writer and if you've ever published an article how about that you can own that publish an article you can publish an article on sign up for Substack and start a newsletter today. And then you have published an article. Get a parent or a family member to read it and you have an audience. You're Just good. tag us. We will read it. Tag exactly. either one of us. And exactly. I will even top that with same with podcasting. Maybe you're like, actually, I'm not a writer or anything close. I've found my voice in writing through starting the podcast again because I was an avid writer growing up. I always thought that was the thing I was going to do. 
I took one class in college and I completely failed this. He was very old, very stuck in his ways. I didn't test right in that class. And he was like, you're a terrible writer. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I should just, you know, go do something else then. And I did for 20 years. And I even so much stuff reading that I felt I was a bad writer. And finding with podcasting, writing scripts, writing the show notes, writing out content. I'm like, oh, I love writing again. I still have yet to call myself a writer, even though I have a goddamn book. You're a book. book. You're, yeah. It's because I had help. That's why I'm not owning it. I had help with putting it together. Anyway, it's long story long. Let's share what it's like to figure out your superpowers and what that like kind of can mean for somebody if they're in the throes of a pivot or a setback or just kind of getting inspiration from this episode. If you have never done a superpower exercise, either at like a, you know, company offsite or something like that, because there's a million, if you Google, like, how do I find my superpower, my, you know, specific thing that I bring to an organization? Forget it. There's three questions. <laughs> And this is this is part of, by the way, the explore phase, which is my favorite phase, because it's when you get to do all the fun stuff, like figure out your superpowers. And so this really comes in handy again, if you're feeling like that self-doubt or you're wondering if you if you are on the wrong path and you're trying to figure out the right path, figure out your superpower. Now, a superpower is something that people tend to associate with a natural talent or a natural skill that comes easily to you, but that's not necessarily the case a superpower is something that you're also very motivated to work on so motivation is one of the biggest predictors of success and remember that when you're trying to identify your superpower so number one there's three questions this is what i put in the reel number one what have people told you you are good at right and that doesn't necessarily mean like you're good at writing you are good at planning organizing what about like you are good at like br- you're good at bringing humor into the group chat, you know, things like that. You know, you really have to think through and find the little clues in what people are saying, not just like the skills that you could put on a resume. Number two, when someone introduces you to someone new, what do they brag about? Listen, listen next time so- you're introduced to someone. By- and it could be like a client or a colleague or a friend. This is like maybe they say, OK, this is Amy. She's an author. Fine. But like. This is Amy. She's like so funny and energetic and blah, blah, blah. Like listen to those things because that is the type of thing that's going to reveal your superpower. And I was going to interrupt you on that one. That one actually surprised me when I really started to tune into that one because I've heard this before and people started calling me like the master connector or the network. Oh, Jessica knows everybody. And I was like, oh, being a a nosy little bitch is paying off. I love this. Yeah. and, and so now I'm known as the, per- like, if they have a, oh, Jess will know somebody or Jess will know that. You- and I'm like, that's really cool that I would have never saw as a superpower before. So definitely that's an out of the box, like, doesn't mean I'm a good dancer or a writer, like you said, but a master connector or someone who knows people. That's a skill set. Yeah. And I love that one. And, and if you're not, I don't know, if if you're thinking through this superpower exercise and you haven't been introduced to someone in person in a long time. You can take that. You can take these three questions. I'll get to the third in a second, but you can take these three questions and ask your friends because they can see your superpowers sometimes much more clearly than you can yourself. Totally. So go to your friends, ask them these questions. And then the third one is if you were to leave the group chat, if you were to leave your team, your work setting, your group setting, your dinner party, whatever setting it is, if you were to leave, 
what would no longer exist, what would no longer be planned, what would no longer be there. So think through that because what you bring to the table, literally and figuratively, is also part of your superpower. And if you think of a few different things, because we all have many, don't sleep on those secondary superpowers. I can't tell you how much they really like came into play, especially over the last year. Same. I agree. Totally agree. I think, you know, I do have more solid skill sets that people know me for as being a hairdresser all those years. That's that's what I was always told I was so good at. So how dare I ever leave it, right? Had I not left that career, so many more people would be happy with me and still be introducing me as like the go-to person for the best cuts and colors and blonding and all of that stuff. But when you're in a pivot of wanting to be known as something else, you might run into this situation where because somebody knows you or speaks so highly of you in one arena, it might be a little bit challenging to to redefine yourself in a different setting. And that's why, again, back to what we started this with, putting yourself in new rooms and practicing introducing yourself as the thing you want to be known for. Because so many times I would be in that room to be putting myself out for something different and still say, oh, I'm a hairdresser or, oh, I'm a salon owner. Because it was what I was comfortable saying. It's what I had street cred on. And now I don't even mention that. I might say, yeah, I was in the beauty industry for 20 years, but now I host a podcast and I run a media agency and da 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 I leave them with what I want them to remember me by. And that's taken practice and refinement and a little bit of confidence of like, you know, working on myself to be able to say it in a way that feels authentic to me. Every time I get a little flip flop, every time I say it still, because A, it's exciting and it means something to me. So I know that it's like resonating and people can sense your excitement around something when you're sharing something, even if it's really new or brand new, like the idea of your book was probably there long before, obviously it was written. And so just sharing that that's what you want to put out into the world or that's what you're stepping into gets people excited for you. And usually if they're like a solid person, they're like, how can I help you? How can I help promote that? How can I introduce you to somebody? What do you need support in? And that's where your network and community starts to grow in the areas where you need it, right? Because you're telling people what you're doing. And if they're also in that world, they're they're a little trained on asking those questions. How can I help you? What do you need support with? And in turn, you can do that. And that's how we develop these really juicy long-term relationships that look a little bit different than maybe if you worked in the same corporate career for 20 years. That It wasn't always like that over there. And same for me in the beauty industry. It didn't feel like that. There wasn't often people being like, how can I support your business? It was like we were all individual businesses and we all just looked out for ourselves. When I stepped into the entrepreneurship world, I got to experience things on a different level that felt more like that. And almost to an uncomfortable, I'm like, what do you mean you want to help me? You want to sell me something? So trusting that as you start to show support for other people's work and their business through social media, promoting them, talking about them, including them, offering a hand back to pull them up with you, introducing them to somebody, a lot of that is free. A lot of that takes nothing, very, very minimal effort. Like you said, when we started this, one reach out, one text message, I see you, I believe in you, I'm proud of you. I'm excited for you. How can I support you? That is all free. And that is relationship building capital at its finest. And it's why I can see you've gotten where you're at. It's 100% why I'm where I'm at. So if you are listening and you are struggling in that, get this book. Let us know if this podcast like shifted anything for you and gave you some perspective on how you can kind of shift out of maybe if you're in those one or two phases of the pivot. Maybe hopefully you're in three or four and you're in one of the fun phases. But no matter where you're at, there are people out there that know what, you, what you're what you going through. 
can hold some space for you, you know, sending me a DM and like reach out and just say, hey, any ideas of what I can do to support myself? I'm sure she'd be happy to like give you some feedback. We love just pouring into our communities. I know you're a busy woman, but thank you so much for just sharing your insights. I can't wait to read the book. I love the women from Peloton. So that was one of the things where I was like, yes. And I think doing the superpower exercise every quarter or every like six months, we're all developing new skill sets and we're all kind of hopefully putting ourselves in new rooms and ask people the question, like, what do you see in me? What are my things that like you feel are good qualities? And add that to your, your maybe that running bio that you have. So when you get an opportunity to introduce yourself, you can start to push those things to the forefront and really own that. Therefore, I think giving you the confidence to put yourself out there in a bigger way. So what a great, great conversation. I love getting to like the nitty gritty of things and how we can really help ourselves and show up in in times that don't feel so sexy. Because I know a lot of us want to talk about the sexy stuff or the how to, but this is real life shit. And inevitably, we're all going to go through some sort of pivot. You know, I wanted to quickly like shine the light on one of my friends, Lori Harder, who I've watched do like a real time pivot from you know, raising 2 million from 54 female founders to launch an alcohol company through going through COVID and then now pivoting into launching Glossy, which is her skin hydration, you know, stick. And just the way that she's openly shared that pivot, you know, she just put a podcast episode out about that. But I wonder how she had your fucking book two years ago. She could have been more like aware of, okay, this is just called a pivot. And this is what happens to people who are putting themselves out there and all the things. So again, get the support that you guys need. Don't be afraid to ask for help and reach out and know that you're not alone. Clearly a book like this wasn't written for one person. It's for the majority of us to get the help and the support that we need. So Amy, where can people hang out with you aside from the book when it launches to like be in your world? Yeah, well, Instagram's easy. I'm at Amy Show, A-M-Y-S-H-O. LinkedIn, I feel like I'm not going to say Twitter. I like don't really check it that much anymore. So try Instagram and LinkedIn or my website, thesetbackcycle.com. Okay, cool. All that will be in the show notes. And you guys grab yourself a copy of this book because it's one of those ones that's going to, I think, stand out on the shelves and be a referenced manual for getting through tough seasons of your life, but also just allowing you to see like the bigger picture, which sometimes when we're in the shit, it's really hard to see the bigger picture. So always sending you so much love on this podcast. If there's anything we can do to support you, you know where to find us and we'll see you on the next episode of Unscripted. Thanks, Evie. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast episode. I hope you enjoyed it. This is your friendly reminder that if a podcast is on your heart to create, we got you, boo. We created Media Unscripted to take the guesswork out of starting, launching, and growing your podcast. I knew I had to create something that I wish existed three years ago when I started the show which, by the way, had a different name. What does that mean for you? Simply put, you don't have to have it all figured out before you start. We help take the guesswork out of launching your show and creating meaningful content that adds value. A podcast can be your main source of content that not only helps you build an audience, but connects you deeper to your community. Go to mediaunscripted.com to learn more. Which one of your girls needs to hear this one? Send this to someone who could use a smile, some encouragement, and a little love from this edgy podcast host. Much thanks and all the love.